0: Well, this morning we are continuing our, our, our Christmas season of looking at the message and the meaning of Christmas through the idea of giving gifts. So, let's start like we did last Sunday. I've, I've titled today's message, Some Assembly Required. But let's start as we did last Sunday and read together John 3.16, please. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Now, we celebrate the greatest gift that we've ever gotten, which of course is our Savior, Jesus Christ, right? But there have been many other gifts over the years, over the Christmas season, and uh, we've all had to deal with a gift which requires some assembly, haven't we? And, And this... A lot of times seems to be a dad's job but it can be anybody's job as you're trying to assemble a toy for an impatient child and uh, of course they're always really helpful because they give you a very clear concise diagram to work with right and then you look at the diagram and you and you just want to throw it away because now you're more confused than you were before there's always recommended tools to use when you're assembling a toy Rarely does it say hammer, never says duct tape, I just, I don't understand that one, but uh, a child will wait for you impatiently, and I remember times when our kids were younger where I would say, you just need to give dad a little more time, would you please? (laughs) Where's your mother? Go get some candy, you know? So we need to be patient. And we need to be patient as we're assembling something. And we need to be patient while somebody else is assembling. So there's an outline in the bulletin to follow along this morning with some things that um, I have to share with you today. And we need to be patient. So the first idea this morning is simply this. Be patient. Uh, I always love the the cartoon uh, that says, God grant me patience. And then it says, hurry up, you know. God, give me patience and give it to me now. So when I'm saying be patient, we're not obviously talking about assembling a Christmas gift. So what are we to be patient about? Well, let's look at what Paul says in Philippians chapter 2. He says, so then, my beloved, that's us, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Now, I will say that this passage is sometimes misunderstood because Paul says, uh, continue to work out your salvation. Now, understand this very clearly. He says, work out your salvation. He doesn't say work for your salvation. We are called to work out our salvation or to work at salvation our salvation. Well, how can I be so confident about that? Because we know that scripture does not contradict itself, right? And Paul said, same author, to the church in Ephesus, he says, for by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Well, Paul can't say that and then say you have to to work To get your salvation. No, your salvation is already there. And as Paul says, we are saved by grace through our faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So understand this first. If you have put your faith in Christ, yes, your salvation is secure. But Paul says now we need to work out our salvation. Work out our salvation. Now that word work out, that term work out there, it means to bring something to fulfillment. Or completion. So what Paul is saying a little bit here is that you need to take the salvation that you already have and work it out so that you experience all that your salvation in Christ gives you. Like I said, it brings something to fulfillment or completion. It's the same thing like working on a math problem, that would you finish a math problem. Or a farm field, working it to bring it to harvest to get all you need to it and to bring it to completion. So Paul says, continue to work out your salvation so that you get everything that comes with your salvation and bring it to completion. And we know that that completion comes when we get to go home with our Lord. Paul is saying, we need to do that with our salvation. What does that mean? Let me see if I can say it 80 different ways today so that we understand. What does that mean for Paul to say, work out your salvation? That moment of salvation is just the beginning. You see, now that you've received that gift of salvation, you need to explore all the riches that you have in Jesus Christ. Don't just be satisfied with knowing that you're going to heaven. As some people say, it's not fire insurance. And it's not a get-out-of-jail-free card. Friends, that's just the beginning. We need to keep unwrapping, as we talked about last week, the gift of salvation. But the interesting thing is, there's some assembly required, is there not? Because when Paul says we need to work out our salvation, I have to tell you, friends, this is not a short-term project. This is a lifelong project. Philippians 1, Paul says this, he says, For I am confident of this very thing. That he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. He, being God, who began a good work in you, your salvation, will continue to perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. So a good work, as I said, is our salvation. That's the good work that has begun in us. Unlike a tool or a toy, which requires some assembly, this gift comes with a service contract. God says that not only do I offer you and bring you salvation through Jesus Christ, the Lord says, I'm going to continue to work with this gift to bring it to completion within you. God will continue to work on us and in us and through us as we explore all that we have in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And not only that, he continues to work in us as we apply our salvation and as we apply Christ in our daily lives. And he says that he will do that until the day of Christ Jesus. Now, what does he mean by that? Until the day of Christ Jesus. Until the day that we are, re- we are reunited with our Lord. Until that day where we leave this earth, uh, pass away, or... Christ returns, we get to go home and be with the God of the universe. He says that until that day, God will continue to work on you. Isn't that reassuring? It's not an abandonment thing. Do you ever look at buying a product, and and, and I've done this before, especially with electronics and, and things like that, you've got Okay, well I can buy this thing and it's made by a, a company that's been around a long time and it's made, this one's made by this company that I've never even heard of. And you think, okay, if this breaks in two years, is this company still going to be around? I know this company well because they've been around a long time. But see, it's the same thing with God. Not that our salvation breaks, it doesn't, but God is there continually working. He doesn't just abandon us. I don't know about you, but I've had that experience before where you buy a product and then you've had it for a year or two and it doesn't work. Oh, you've got to replace a part and you go to contact the company. Oh, they went out of business. Well, now you're, you've got to look at buying a new product, right? God will continue to work on us. There is, a never mo- there is never a moment where God will stop working on us. Do you hear me? There's never a moment where he will stop working on us. Because, friends, He's never done with you. Look to the person next to you and say, God's never done with you. Go ahead. God is never done with you. God continues to work on us. And here's the thing that we need to remember is that because God continues to work on us, because God is never done with us, we can never say, I've arrived. Right? As a Christian, we can never say, I've reached the pinnacle, I've arrived. Now, there's only one time we can say that, right? When we're home in heaven and I, I'm looking at my Lord face to face, I could say, I've arrived, but it's not anything i do. But I don't think there'll be much arrogance in me when I'm standing before my Lord. We can never say that. God continues to work. See, the gift of salvation is a gift we spend a lifetime unwrapping and a lifetime discovering. It truly is the gift that keeps on giving, right? You get a lifelong service contract with God. And you have a lifetime warranty with God. Is there anything we can say about that? I'm not sure that we can. I don't think so. Everything else wears out, right? Everything else breaks down. Everything else just doesn't work anymore. But here's the really, really cool part when it comes to this gift from God is there are no missing parts. You're chuckling, right? There are never any missing parts. That's happened to you before, hasn't it? Wait a minute, this thing says I should have 18 of these screws and I've only got 14 of them. You look through the bag of parts, you look again, you look at the sheet that says how many you should have, and then you look at how many you do have, and it doesn't match up, and you're like, okay, what's going wrong? And in the midst of all that, you fill this, find this little tiny piece of paper that says, inspected by 204. And even though they can't hear you, you start telling 204 what you think of them and their job. And you want to know, who is 204? Right? You're right near the end of the project, you're almost done, and you're like, I don't have these other parts. And then sometimes when you look at a a project that you've put together and you say, why did they decide to do it that way? Wouldn't it have been easier to do it this way? It's like when you get little toy cars, right? You have... Plastic gears against metal gears. That doesn't make sense. Any guesses which gear is going to wear out? It's the Look at me, I'm grabbing the pulpit. I'm getting frustrated here. The plastic gear is going to wear out, isn't it? Why on earth did they design it that way? I remember many years ago, we had got our first minivan, and I won't say what brand it was, but it was our first minivan, and I had to change the spark plugs on it. And I opened up the hood and I looked inside and I can see two plugs and I'm going, I know this is a six cylinder engine, but I can at least, how do I get to the other plugs? So after a little while, I put my pride aside and I opened up the manual, right? And I looked in the second two plugs, I had to take the front wheels off and in the wheel well, there's this little thing you pull back and lo and behold, there's the plug. Put the other one in and then you go in the vehicle and you pull this little what they would call a doghouse off oh look there's the back two plugs and I'm going who in their right mind would design a vehicle like this Does some engineer go nah, they'll never have to change the plugs and you sit there and you go what is the matter with these people Or those of you who work on cars and you have to replace something, you sit there and say, the engineer truly was so proud of their design, they thought you would never have to replace this because you've got to take the entire car apart just to get to this one piece, right? But here's the really, really cool thing. God had everything planned out from the beginning, okay? We can't say, why why did God do it that way? Of course we can, but we're just stupid when we say that, right? Because God's a lot smarter than us, right? Right? And maybe down the road, God is generous enough to show us why he did things the way he did them. But God has everything planned out. Look what it says in Psalm uh, 139. David says this, he says, For you formed my inward parts, you wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. That is such a cool passage of Scripture. What do we take away from that? God was working on you before you were even born. Let that sink in for a minute. Isn't that comforting? Now, some of us may be looking at our own flaws right now and saying, Really? God? He was working on this? That's human nature, right? We can look at our shortcomings and say, what is God up to? We talked about Sunday school class. God appears to Moses in the burning bush. And he wants Moses to go to Egypt to free his people from bondage. And Moses says, you know what? I don't talk so good. Of course, he should have said well. But he said good because he doesn't talk good. And what did God say? Wait a minute. Who made your mouth? I'm pretty sure I did. Don't you trust me? I will give you what to say and how to say it. See, we can say, God, what are you up to? But we need to understand that God is working on us from the beginning. You can look at yourself and say, what about my flaws, God? Did you have my flaws in mind when you were working? Were my flaws part of your design? What about the illnesses that I deal with? What about uh, the physical challenges that I may deal with? Was that part of your plan too, God? God, what are you up to? We can ask those questions. That's a very normal thing to ask. But realize what David said. He said that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Why does God create us the way he creates us? Why did, does he create some of us with different challenges, different disabilities? Why does he create us with certain abilities, talents, or gifts? Why are we all different in that and what we can do and what we can't do? But remember this and realize this, friends. God created each of us with every part of who we are. God, you made all that I am specifically the way I am. But why? You might ask why. why. Why do some of us have specific challenges that we deal with? Why do some of us have, you know, we can fall into that trap of, oh, well, they've got it so much easier than I do. Why? Well, look at what God told Jeremiah. This is what God said. He said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you, which means I had a purpose for you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. This is true for all of us, friends. And I want to uh, point out a few things in here. That God knew us from the, before we were in our mother's womb. And he has made us the way that we are for a specific purpose and a specific calling. Friends, he saved you for a reason. He saved me for a reason. He saved you for a purpose. He saved me for a purpose. That's why he created you the way he created you. And friends, God has appointed each of us to a specific calling. Now, if I take uh, the same passage of Jeremiah, and I, this is a different version. This is called um, the PG version, the PGV. Before I, knew, uh, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you for a special purpose. Friends, do you believe that? Do you believe that God has created you and God has appointed you for a special purpose? He created you for more than just knowing him as Savior and being able to go to heaven. God gave you specific attributes, specific talents, specific skills, and specific challenges so that God can use you in a way that he cannot use anyone else. I want to say that again. God gave you specific attributes, specific talents, specific skills and specific challenges, so that God can use you in a way that He cannot use anyone else. Have you ever thought about that? God created you and made you unique because He can use you in a unique way. Think about that for a minute. I don't know about you, but that's kind of overwhelming. Now, you may not know what this specific or special purpose God has for you yet, but that's okay because we need to continue to seek God and discover what he created you for, and that's part of what Paul says when he says, God, uh, that, where, where Paul says, continue to work out your salvation. Continue to seek God. You know, it, it, it's... It's that that idea that, okay, God, you saved me. Why? God has created each of us uniquely so that he can use each of us in a distinctive way. Friends, as Christmas approaches this year, we need to celebrate our gift of salvation and continue to discover all that that gift entails. Why would God give you the gift of salvation? He saved you for a reason. He saved you for a purpose. I will tell you that when my eyes and heart were open to the truth, from day one, God put a question in my heart from the day I got saved. And it was this. First of all, it was, God, this is awesome. Thank you. I praise you. But after that, the next question that God put in my heart was, what do you want me to do with this? what do you want me to do with this? What, what, what do I do now? What do I do next? What, what do I do with this? Because this is so incredible and overwhelming. This isn't just a, oh yeah, thanks God, and then just go on your merry way. This is something that's so incredible. God, w- what do you want me to do next? And the truth of the, the uh, matter is, is that God had an answer for me. Now, did he reveal that to me right away? I will tell you that I asked God that question, what do you want me to do next? In 1989, ten years later, I wound up in my first church. Five years after I asked that question, God answered it. Now, why did God wait so long? Because I wasn't ready to hear his answer yet. I, I know that. But the truth of the matter is, friends, God has an answer to that question for each one of us. God, what do you want me to do with this incredible gift that you've given me? He he has an answer. Can you be so brave and so bold to ask that question? God, what do you want me to do with this? And be patient god's answer because with all of us some assembly is required is it not so friends as you continue to unwrap that gift realize this god designed you with a purpose and that first purpose we know is to bring him glory Friends, I want to encourage you to discover all the ways that God intends for you to use his incredible gift. And we need to be patient, friends, as God reveals his plan for each of us. Be patient. For me, it was five years. For some of you, it may be five minutes. Some of you may be longer. But I believe that what God desires from us is our willingness and our courage to ask that question. God, what do you want me to do with this? So I would ask you and challenge you and encourage you this Christmas season that if you've never asked God that question, take time and say, God, thank you for this incredible gift. What would you like me to do with it? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for your truth, and we thank you for the incredible gift that you've given us through our Savior, Jesus Christ. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to continue to work out our salvation in you and help us to be bold enough to ask that question, Lord, what do you want me to do with this incredible gift? Teach us what it means to seek you with all that we are, but more than that, teach us what it means, as Paul said, to continue to work out our salvation in you. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask you to stand with us. We have one more song we'd like to sing this morning, and I think this kind of drives that point home that we read in scripture, that God knows us better than we know ourselves. He's he's created us in a manner and with a special purpose for his glory. that you know everything about us, Lord. You know us better than we know ourselves. And thank you for the truth and the confidence that you give us in knowing that everything that we are, everything that we have been created to be, Lord, is your intention. And we praise you for that this day. Lord, show us what you want us to do with this incredible gift. Lord, as we leave this day, may we leave In the strong name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, empowered by your Spirit, carrying your message of salvation through this Christmas season, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Have a blessed day.